Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the Bite Size Learning Podcast presented by professional Oklahoma educators. I'm Jason Bings, the Director of Professional Learning at POE and the host of this podcast. In the previous episode, I had hoped to cover both synchronous and asynchronous forms of virtual classrooms. But in trying to stick with just one of those topics, I easily blew past my self-imposed time that I have set up for each episode. So for this episode, I want to look at some of the aspects of asynchronous learning and some best practices to keep in mind during this process. This won't be a how-to for a specific product like much of the last episode was. But instead, I'll focus on some of the ideas and mentalities that go along with learning in this format. Most of you have already launched your distance learning plan for the remainder of the school year. Truthfully, this doesn't really qualify as a distance as distance learning for a few reasons. The first reason is because for the rest of the year, the students are just reviewing previously taught concepts. There is no new learning going on. This is just a refresher course really at this point. The second is because of the disparity in resources available to the students. If our goal as educators is to provide every student with an equal opportunity to learn, this emergency situation doesn't really fit in with that goal. The planning and the preparation that would go into a full distance learning implementation hasn't happened. Now that's not to say that there hasn't been a lot of planning going into this process. I'm not trying to say that at all. But instead, if the correct type of planning were to happen, there would have been a different level and type of resource available to the students to facilitate this learning. In this emergency situation, districts that have devices for every student may be ahead of those that don't. But what about home connectivity? They still have to face that issue and deal with that. That's not something that's equal in every home. So schools are left to implement some sort of a mixture uh, using different resources to attempt to attempt to maintain the level of learning that's been completed already this year. In some schools, that means a weekly packet of information for core subjects. In others, a series of resources on the school website. Some may be fully relying on their learning management system or something like Google Classroom or Edmodo or one of those others or some sort of a combination of each of these. In the previous podcast, I called this emergency remote learning, uh, borrowing the term from the author A.J. Giuliani. But now I'm, I'm kind of reluctant to even call it that. Instead of learning, I think maintenance is more applicable to the situation. So we might be better off calling this emergency remote learning maintenance or something similar, regardless of what we call it. There are a few things that we need to keep in mind about distance learning, no matter what format we're deploying or whether it's emergency or regular distance learning that we're setting up. So here are some things to keep in mind. One, this will not look like your regular classroom. Aside from the obvious fact that this isn't occurring in your regular classroom and your students are not in the room with you, you need to remember this fact. If you keep that in mind, it will help you frame everything you do in your virtual classroom. The second thing you need to keep in mind 
if you're using an LMS or Google Classroom or some other format like that, collaboration and group work is vastly different than it would be in your classroom. In your classroom, you could rearrange and group students and easily monitor just by working your way around the room. The monitoring side of it gets to be a little bit more tricky and a little bit harder to figure out initially, uh, but once you've done this for a little bit, you can uh, do some great things there. In your classroom, you're limited by time and location, uh, but in a virtual classroom, some of those limitations go away. Students can all join in at different times from different locations and utilize a variety of communication tools. If students are working in a Google document or an Office 365 file, uh, students are able to collaborate and co-edit those files. You can establish time and place restrictions if you want, but truthfully, why would you want to? If your students have limited resources at home, they may be competing with siblings for time on the devices. And your, your restrictions on time might end up with unintentional consequences and cause harm or impede the learning of others in the household without you even realizing it. A third thing that you really need to keep in mind is to establish office hours. Have them at different times of the day to accommodate your learners. And so it might be that you have a block of time in the morning and you have a block of time in the afternoon or early evening just to try to accommodate some of the schedules at home because you really don't know what your students are dealing with there in the traditional day maybe maybe a hindrance at some point. So having different times available for students to check in with you for help or just for you to see how they're doing is critical. You could even go as far as using uh, an appointment calendar and allowing students to schedule appointments with you. Uh, that can be done in your Google Calendar if you've got uh, G Suite for Education in your district. Not only that, but those calendar slots can actually turn into uh, Google Meet appointments or Zoom appointments if your district has enabled that or turned on those permissions for that. The fourth thing I would keep in mind is that you near, need to clearly define the processes for communication and for turning in your work. In your classroom, you would have a procedure for handling all of this, and in your virtual classroom, you need to do the same thing. Some learning platforms take care of this for you, but you still need to train your students on what that looks like. The fifth thing I would do is create assignment calendars for your students. Some of the online platforms have this built into them already, so when you post an assignment, you're able to pick a due date. But what if it's a long assignment and the final due date is not for two weeks? Are you going to wait that entire time to check in on students to see what their progress is? How are you going to make sure that they're staying on track, which you really need to do if, if you're dealing with uh, elementary, middle school, or in high school students? And so what you can do is split the assignment up into different components uh, that students can turn in part of it at a time, and then you can return it back to them to continue working on. Uh, this is a great feature in a lot of the classroom management um, systems or learning management systems. Okay, so most people initially dive into some of these platforms with the intent of enhancing what they're doing in the regular classroom. But when you shift to using them as your primary mode of instruction, you kind of have to change your mindset. It's no longer an extension of what you're doing in the classroom. Instead, it is your classroom. Many of you personalize your classroom and decorate it to fit your personality. Do this as much as you can in the learning platform that you've set up. 
So using different colors or artwork or whatever that can be added to some components of your online classroom will help make this more your own. To some of you that may seem really trivial, but it can make a difference and go a long way to helping the environment in your virtual classroom as well. Another thing I would do is post your procedures and your rules for your online classroom somewhere within the platform. Whether that's as an assignment that you require them to go through, or if that's a, an announcement that you pin to the, to the top of the feed, or if it's an attachment that they can come back to and refer back to. And in fact, if you can do it in all of these ways, I would suggest doing that. That way it's always there and you have very few excuses for people not following those procedures. So what are some of the procedures that you need to focus on in your virtual classroom? Well, I'm going to handle this with a series of questions. So something you need to think about for a procedure, how often do your students need to access the classroom portal? Do they need to sign in five days a week, three days a week, one day a week? What's your purpose for requiring the number of days they're checking in? So kind of keep all of that in mind, and that needs to be one of your procedures. So if you think they need to be on there every day, how are you going to know they're doing that? And so that's, that's the next set of procedures. How are you going to track their access to that portal? Do you have an assignment due every day that's a part of your tracking process? Is it just kind of a, a wellness check each day, or is it, we've got this assignment due, it's got to be in by 8 o'clock each day, and that's your check-in process? Or do you just have something that is like a, how are you feeling today kind of thing that you would do as, as a daily attendance that they're required to get on, sign into, and submit the response to that? Or are you requiring them to specifically send you a message, whether that's a question or even something as simple as, hey, I'm on today, just wanted to check in, let you know that things were going well. Work out some sort of procedure that's going to work well for you for that check-in policy on your, your virtual classroom. Next procedure you need to keep in mind. How are they going to turn their assignments in? Are you going to allow them to work ahead, or do they need to stay on pace? How are you handling if they're falling behind on some other work? What's your procedure there? And if it's something that they start to fall behind on, I need to build in some other checkpoints that encourage them to turn it in and stay engaged in what we're doing. Another procedure to keep in mind is what does communication within the classroom look like? How do students send you a message or ask you questions? Can students send other students messages within the class? This may not be something that's within your control. This may be something that is a district level decision. but. Whatever that policy is for your district, that needs to be incorporated into your procedure and, and you need to handle that accordingly and make sure that that's clearly made known to your students. So all of these items are critical to success in your virtual classroom. Some other things to keep in mind would be the length of your assignments. If your entire school is shifting to this virtual environment, uh, which is the case right now, keep in mind how much homework might be assigned in other classes too. If your traditional class period is 45 minutes, I would try to limit my virtual classroom to 30 minute increments or less, especially for younger students. Truthfully, if it's over 20 minutes long, you'll lose the attention of your students just like you would in the traditional classroom. And so you kind of need to vary your instructional methods. Uh, use videos when you can, use text, interactive learning tools, slideshows, games, quizzes, whatever it takes to facilitate learning. And so if you can incorporate those in, 
and kind of mix them up and have more flexibility in how you incorporate that, uh, you, you'll be much better off in the long run. Something else that I want you to make sure you remember, don't try to reinvent the wheel. There are others that have done this already. Learn from them. Borrow from them. If you have someone teaching the same thing you teach in your school, split up the job of creating resources and share the load. Something else that you might do as you're rolling this out is host a virtual open house. This could take on a few different forms. Could be a pre-recorded video you make to send out to parents and students, uh, telling them how to navigate the platform from their end. It might also be a, a webinar or a video conference that you set up to demonstrate the different aspects of the learning platform. Could allow for Q&A from, from parents during this time. But during this time, you also want to go over your expectations and procedures, along with the methods of communication available to your parents and to your students. So all of these items you'd cover during an open house, uh, they're just as relevant in a, a virtual classroom as they are in a traditional classroom. So try to cover as many of those elements in here as you can. Whichever platform you choose to handle this and whatever method you go with, there are some additional resources available to help you on your journey. So in addition to the tools that whatever platform you use provides, uh, there's some other groups out there that, that do offer some ideas to help you with. One of those is called Learning Heroes. And you can go to the website to get more information but it's b the word b b e b a learninghero.org they have resources available that you can use and share with parents and also resources for you a quick internet search is going to reveal countless other resources to help you on this journey one resource that i return to frequently is from the shakeup learning website shakeuplearning.com the author of this site tends to focus more on g suite um, but the skills and the ideas are pretty universal, and they can be translated to multiple platforms with just a little bit of modification. Now, I know this is just scratching the surface of setting up your virtual classroom. If you would like more information about a specific tool or a topic, reach out to me and we can work on setting something up. Or it might be a selection for a future episode. I do want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Please share and comment to let us know how we can help you and others. You may leave your comments in whichever podcatcher you're using, but to guarantee we receive them in a timely manner, go to bit.ly bit.ly slash bite-sized pod and complete the form. If you would like to schedule a professional learning session for your school or an online meeting, you can send an email to jason at apoe.org. If you'd like more information about professional Oklahoma educators, check out our website, www.apoe.org. You can find the links to this podcast and blog under the Resources tab or by going to poebitesizedlearning.blogspot.com. POE can also be found on Facebook at apoe.org and on Twitter at Prof. Okla, EDU.